1: Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
2: The Crit Show contains elements of horror, fantasy violence, and adult language. Content warnings can be found in the episode description.
3: Yesterday, Megan and I were trying to figure out where we wanted to go get breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good... A good indicator that she knows where the story is going. Uh oh. So like, I'm like, okay, well, we could go to, uh, like you know, there's a place near our house that's like a little breakfast diner place, or you know, I threw out like several options. She's like, I don't, none of those really sound good, and I was like, like I'm like just looking through like Google Maps breakfast places, and I'm just like naming anything. And I'm like Cracker Barrel, and she's like, yeah, let's go to Cracker Barrel, and I was like, really? She's like, yeah, and I was like, I'm why? I was like, well, I'm just surprised. It doesn't seem like you'd want to go to Cracker Barrel. Why not? Well, I don't know, just because. They're everywhere and like it's not that great. I mean, it's fine. She's like, Yeah, but like it's fast and you know, it's pretty cheap, so if we're gonna go out, like I was like, Okay, fine. So we get in the car and we're on our way to Cracker Barrel and we pull up and at the intersection and like I look up at the sign, you know, and I'm just I'm reading the sign. I'm like, Ah, Cracker Barrel, old country still and then the memory comes back to me of her making me watch a TikTok <laughs> about which places currently have Halloween decorations for sale. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, Joanne Fabrics, Michael's, Cracker Barrel. And I was like, Cracker Barrel? That's a weird one. And just all in that moment, I'm just like, (gasps) I turned to look at her and I went, you son of a bitch. (laughs) And she's just smiling at me and started cackling.
0: No, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was silent. I was on my phone. We were on the drive. And then just just suddenly he goes, I know why you wanted to go to Cracker Barrel. And I couldn't even pretend like I didn't know what he was talking about. And just a big smile came on my face. And I just froze and stayed like that. And then he was like, you son of a bitch. I can't believe you've done this. And (laughs) And I was just like... Yep. <laughs> I said I said nothing I said was untrue.
3: <laughs> she was like if you if I would have told you you would have made us go to a different breakfast place because you don't want it to be Halloween yet. And I was like speaking of which there's a Denny's right here so we're going there instead. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't. We went to Cracker Barrel, and we bought pumpkin and ghost salt shakers. <laughs>
0: and the whole time, I was like, you look so handsome today. You're so, or you're so smart and funny and not mad at me.
4: <laughs> I had a dream last night that we were at your house. Oh, nice. And- <laughs> Oh, I love that place. Oh, I love parties. The backyard <laughs> fell in.
0: Oh, no. And there
4: was a basement- Hidden under your backyard.
0: Jake just had a reaction. Like he also had this dream last night. I had a
4: very simple. I'm going to talk about it. You finish yours. Oh my gosh. I hope we had the same dream. Not exactly. I can't imagine. There were two doors in this basement. And uh, so all five of us were there. And you were like, what the hell is this? So you get a ladder and we all go down into it. And like one of the doors is kind of in the darkness. The other one is being hit by the sunlight. And we're kind of looking around and we go over to one of the doors and we're looking at it. And we hear the other door creaking. And we all turn and we look. And it's. Closed. I'm like, that's what? Okay. So we continue to like every time we turn away from one of the doors, it creaks like it's opening. But when we look back, it's closed. And it's a it's a pretty long dream of like us going out of the hole and, and like getting stuff. You were like, I want to get into these doors. And so it was like getting lock picks and a blowtorch and like all these different <laughs> things to try to figure out how to finagle these doors open. And there was this really like suspenseful music just around in my head and You were like something is in there like I don't know what it is but something's checking on us like that door creaking sound is real like everyone else is hearing that right. And so finally we all get down there and we're like holding all this gear and we start to hear the door creak and you're like don't just don't even acknowledge it and Tass looks over and he goes uh, and we all look and the door is opening and it was like in this moment of the dream. The production company that is my brain ran out of money because what came bursting out of this door was Frankenstein's monster, but like the original movie, black and white one. And he was real choppy, like we had dubbed him in. And he just sprints across the room out of one door into the other door, slams it shut. And I wake up trying to scream because of the, like the fright we were having in that moment. And then I had two seconds of like, my brain played back what came out of the door. And I was like, huh. <laughs> what? Wait, like, that's not scream-worthy. Yeah, I suddenly <laughs> went, what the hell was that? So, yeah, I had a, like, my brain yeah. just ran out of production funds last no, night. No, yeah, I,
2: I had the same dream. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I, I
3: had a dream that we lived in a different house. We lived in, like, a two story house. And we lived with Tass, and parts of the second floor kept getting, like, ripped off, like, by a storm. Like, you know, like it's like we were just on the first floor and I'd like hear a sound and I'd go outside and like a bathtub that was on the second story was like in the yard and like part of the roof was just it just gone mm. just like that whole room was gone and I'd go back inside and be like I, there's like I mean there's nothing we can do about it right now and then like another part would get ripped off while I was inside and it was like picking me apart like every time it happened and I went outside like a new level of dread and just like, inability to deal with this settled (laughs) over me until like you'll finally the whole second floor is gone but like the seal like the floor is still there the ceiling is still there you can't see the air from where we are but it's pouring rain and i'm just like this this house is like a tear down like this whole house we just got this house it's destroyed and then inexplicably there was like a time reversal i i like i just out of nowhere in the blink of an eye went back in time this hadn't happened yet and i knew it hadn't happened yet and i'm in the house and the storm is starting and I go to Tass's room and I was like, this is going to sound super weird, but over the course of this storm, the whole second floor is going to get ripped off and it's going to destroy the house and we need to figure out what to do about it. And I think you're the only person that'll believe me. And he's like, all right, what do we do about it? Like just <laughs> immediately ride or die. He's just like, I believe you completely. Yeah. What do we do about it? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to prevent
2: we a storm moving from the storm your
0: I gotta say, as the owner of said house, Rev Jake, I do not appreciate these dreams. <laughs> you both had ones where my backyard was a sinkhole and
4: well, but my it was roof a was secret gone. basement. So there was can, a secret Frankenstein. If you, and if I do you sell the house. Like, that's
3: a perk.
5: So, should I maybe not stay with Jake and Megan <laughs> when I'm just, here in two weeks for <laughs> yeah. Gen Con?
3: Well, just stay on the ground floor and don't go out in the yard. Yeah. Well,
5: and- that's horrifying. I don't want to roll up and there's a bunch of weird ground rules like that. Like, no matter what, don't leave the house at night. What's gonna happen?
3: (laughs) Also, those are just the two dreams we've had so far. And nothing bad has actually happened to them, so it might be better to stay on the second floor or in the backyard. Mm. Because the main floor might be the one that's actually... No, no,
0: no. I think... Stay in the backyard?
3: (laughs) Yeah, just stay out. We got a tent.
0: Kim, I think Kim just needs to have a dream where, like, my house... Gets better. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) They're actually lined with gold in the walls, maybe or something. I had a
4: dream last night that there was a company that came over and excavated your secret basement and reinforced your second floor and 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 drove out the weird
5: Frankenstein.
4: (laughs) Your house is just ship shape.
0: I mean, I'm fine with the Frankenstein. Like I said, I'm in Halloween mode. I'm ready to go. This is just decoration. I don't have to do.
4: send in a couple people and then have the ship ready to get Garoga's attention as soon as the storm is down?
0: Yeah, I could swim in easily. I guess the problem is I don't know if he's just on the other side, and if he sees me, getting away could be difficult.
4: I mean, he's got three islands to go around, so if we time it so that he's on one of the far islands...
0: You ready? Yep. Okay, hold on tight.
2: The closer you get, the more tumultuous the water gets. It gets more and more difficult to know for sure exactly where you are, how you're oriented against this place. But this close, there's no mistaking when you see the massive form of Father Garoga ahead of you. So you're able to wait a moment as you get closer until it starts to pass. But as you approach what you know is the edge of this vortex, you're swept up. Not 20 yards away is the beach of one of the small islands on it, several dozen seaborne look out at you in utter confusion. There's a large hill that makes up most of the small island with lots of huts. And atop the hill, a low stone building swarming in horrific figures. One of them turns as well to see you in the water. And there's a horrific shriek as the forms move down the beach. Kim and Megan, you've just... Come up for air near one of the small islands, and you see that you're facing a large group of seaborne directly in front of you on the beach, staring at you in utter confusion. Beyond them, above the beach, there are huts, living spaces, and a larger building near what you have to assume is the center of this small island. It's a low stone building, and you start to see some forms moving and hear growls moving towards you.
0: How far away are we from the shore?
2: Um, like, it's pretty close. Like, you you know, you're certainly in speaking distance with the people.
0: I'll, like, support Kim to help keep her above water and <laughs> move a little closer to the seaborne on the shore. And I'll wave at them. Hi, we're here to help you.
2: What? There's uh, an older woman that uh, wades waist deep down into the water towards you.
0: Who are you? Where are you from? I'll whisper to Kim. They might recognize you. Hi, do you know me?
5: No, I don't believe so. That's fine, that's fine. It was a it was a good try. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, bye. Don't you know who I am? No. <laughs>
0: I don't know, I was kind of a big deal the last place that I went.
4: So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're here to stop the monsters. Are there any uh, uh, runes on this island?
2: Like magic runes? Yes, magic runes. Not that I have seen. And you start to see those shapes running down the hill moving between the buildings. The forms break out onto the beach, three twisted animalistic figures. Each of them is different, but they share in common that they have too many limbs. One of them has two heads. They're very beast-like, but not like any particular beast. One of them is vaguely cat-like, while another is more like a large boar. One of them has... Too many legs to even tell what type of thing it might resemble. And the seaborn on the beach immediately get down on their knees and like lean forward, covering the back of their necks. It seems like this is a practiced thing for them whenever these beasts get close. And uh, these things are just running towards the water. How big are they? Pretty big. I'd say vaguely lion size. Yikes, that's very big. Megan, if you can
5: get me on the beach. I can try to tango with these things while you can try
0: to look for the rune. Yeah, let me let me try something quick. It might help you out. Uh, And then I'll pull the uh, A Pinch of Salt and Other Superstitions book out of my bag and try to use it on these monsters.
2: Okay, what uh, what are you invoking here?
0: That they are pretty big. They look they look pretty heavy. I mean, one of them has like a lot of legs, very leggy. Uh, what I'm trying to do is as they're running towards the beach, like the sand underneath them becomes like unstable. It's, it's not something that they can stand on easily. And with their many limbs and the weight of them, they get kind of like sunk into the sand and oh, can't move very well.
2: Like, like, like quicksand sort of.
0: Yeah, <laughs> kind of.
2: I, I like it. Let's uh, unleash a mysterious power. Seven. All right, so this will exact a personal cost and surge out of control. I think the personal cost is really simple here. I think there's a measure of this taking a toll and uh, you take a point of harm. Okay. And as this spreads, you watch the beasts start to get stuck in this shifting sand and unable to move as quickly. They're kind of getting gummed up as they're making their way down the beach. But you actually watch the seaborne start to get pulled down as well. Like, now, this certainly isn't looking like it's gonna actually quicksand them and, like, drown them, but um, they're, like, sinking in and confused and uh, a little panicky trying to get out. Kim, you watch as they don't exactly come to a halt, but they are certainly gummed up. They are unable to gallop down into the water as it uh, clearly looks like they intended.
5: Are we close enough to shore that I can swim there now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Great, I will. Uh, And I'd like to roll theatrics, please.
2: Go for it. 12. That gets you how many? Two. Nice.
5: Uh, And I would like to use one of those holds immediately to reveal that despite everything, I have yet another weapon up my sleeve. Uh, (laughs) I would like to emerge from the ocean and rip off my beetle shell cloak to reveal uh, a second cloak underneath that cloak, but that cloak is a net, and I would like to throw the weighted net atop one of the beasties that is trapped in the sand.
2: Uh, I think that gives you compelling reason for a dirty trick here. And ah, oh, hell, I'll give you a plus one since you have this impromptu net.
5: Boy, this is, this is with my bad stat though. So I'm going to spend an additional point of luck. So then at least I'm rolling a flat roll. Glad I did. That's a seven.
2: Nice. Ooh. Ooh. I think that this will completely subdue one of these beasts. Mm-hmm. But since the other one was like right on its tail... Since it's like covered in this netted cloak, that beast will be free. It will be able to like crawl up its subdued buddy and have a firm footing again. That's fair. Yeah, one is out of the fight. It cannot wrench free of this net. And the other one is literally standing atop it, ready to pounce. Dope. Let's go. Get into a scrap. Eight. All right. You swing and connect with this bizarre, disgusting beast and it lashes out with one of its many, many limbs, uh, a clawed, yes, I'm gonna say this, a clawed hoof that clips you in the shoulder. You take one point of harm, not armor-defeating, but this beast goes down. You hit something that might be its head, and you can just feel the pulse of magic as this thing slumps and then starts to melt. Real quick. Gross.
4: A clawed hoof. Yeah. Is this like I'm picturing a hoof, like boom, hoof on the ground. Yeah. Are the claws coming out so they like touch the ground or are they digging into the ground when the hoof is on the ground? Is it like a cleat? Yeah, (laughs) is it like a cleat or is it like fake toes on a hoof?
2: I think we uh, let the audience (laughs) tell us. I think that's up to the fan artist. Yeah, go ahead and and post your, your fan art or your suggestions of the clawed hoof. Megan, what are you doing while Kim is distracting these beasts?
0: Uh, I'm going to swim over to the shore and get up on the sand, and I'd love to roll Lore Keeper. Okay. Ten.
2: All right. And what does this get you again?
0: When you encounter a new land, creature, or phenomenon, roll plus vinegar. On a hit, the Fates will tell you a story about it. On a ten plus, choose whether the story reveals something you can spend to your advantage, its hidden weakness, or the thing controlling or driving it. So since this is a new land that I've never been to, um... I would love something I can spin to my advantage, just knowing something about the topography or the history of this land, something that would maybe lead me in a direction of where a rune would be likely to be placed.
2: Okay, so looking at the lay of this island, um, the tale that I think would give a clue here has to do with most of how Seaborn live. They like to find these cavern-ridden islands and make their homes there because that will give them easy access to the water whenever they want. So not just living on the beach, but also kind of like what you left, like Whistler's Cove would also probably have been a great seaborne location uh, just based on the caverns that have a lot of waterways. So when you look up at this island, you see the squat building up at the top in the middle It's very rocky, like all around, especially in the center. You get the idea that they built that building over what would be some sort of cavern entrance that will actually lead down. Um, So the beasts that were up there guarding that, it seems like a little outpost as well as an entrance to somewhere below. Uh, Something that's that well guarded, it's probably going to be down in those depths that you can more easily find something hidden.
0: Yeah. Okay. I will start making my way up that direction.
2: All right. Yeah. I think you have to sort of make your way wide around all of these uh, little bungalows and things that are set up for the Seaborn. And I can just give you that you can easily see a few more of these odd creatures walking around the top of this squat square stone building, but they look more humanoid. Like, Vaguely, but more humanoid than what came down. And you also see that it is lined with very large cannons, um, but these are like powerful long distance cannons. Uh, it's probably what they use if Garoga gets too uppity to uh, dissuade him from coming up on the beach.
0: Is there anything around this this building that gives me the impression I might be able to sneak up to it?
2: Oh, yeah, like there's certainly uh, enough buildings. Again, a lot of this is the, the, just the housing for these seaborne. There are at least hundreds, you can tell, as you're making your way up, um, maybe thousands on this one island alone. And um, so, yeah, if you, you wanted to try to sneak up, it doesn't seem like there are many of those creatures on top of the building. Like they're kind of walking a perimeter and a couple of their attention are certainly focused down on this scuffle on the beach.
0: Right, okay, I'm gonna circle around to the other side of the building in hopes that their attention is drawn more towards Kim and I might find a way in.
2: All right, roll a break in.
0: I'm gonna spend a point of luck on this. Okay. Seven. Yay!
2: You get to pick one and so do I.
0: I'll mark a trouble.
2: All right, what uh, what do we think applies here?
0: Exhausted, probably, this is a A hell of of a run.
2: I do kind of like that. Um, let's do, let's do exhausted. Like, you're, you're very tired from this swim, just it was disorienting, this big burst of magic, and now making your way up here. I think exhausted for you is going to be a minus one to blood just to get into a scrap. You know, something that is overtly physical like that, um, you know, getting into a fight will apply until you can take a few hours to rest
0: okay what's your choice
2: I think you're gonna lose track of something here I think by the time you get up to the building and like time this out with the beasts walking their perimeter like you're able to slip inside and realize that you don't know where your crossbow is bear but you are in this building it's got uh, a few sconces on the walls um it is pretty bare bones like open building, Uh, this really does just seem more like a glorified guard building, like it's kind of barracks, it's a, a completely wide open room with a spiral stair in one corner that leads up to the roof where the cannons are, and opposite that, there's another spiral stair leading downward, and there's nothing in this main area. Kim, one of the beasts has turned to goo, covering the trapped beast in said goo, and there is a third still scrambling to move through these shifting sands towards you, but uh, he is having some trouble
5: now, man. I've seen something like this happen before. The beast that's turned into goo and dripping onto the other one—they're not forming into some sort of uh, a mega monster, right?
2: No, even as you're watching, that goo seems like it is evaporating; like it's just completely disappearing
3: wow like it's made of rubbing alcohol this monster is just <laughs> evaporating instantly it's
5: very environmentally friendly it's just a zero waste it's a zero yeah. waste <laughs> monster
2: this last one is uh, uh he's taking turns looking at you with uh either of its heads
5: any trees on this beach
2: uh i mean you'd have to do a little bit of a jog but yeah up like just past the beach you know where it starts to get rockier and um where, where it meets all of their housing, their little little bungalows. There is some vegetation, some trees.
5: Cool. I want to try to lead this thing on a little bit of a chase towards a suitable tree and then use another pick from theatrics.
2: All right. What do you want to do?
5: Pin an enemy to the wall by throwing something.
2: Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, this thing is going to follow you. I, I think without the hold, this would have been sort of a dirty trick situation. But yeah, he was going to follow you either way. So as you past the tree and this thing gallops after you you get to spin move and what does it look like
5: uh yeah i just want to do like a cute little like flip or something off a tree and then throw my rapier and just pin that sucker to a tree
2: absolutely god with the nature of this tentacle whip too Oh, yeah. I
5: imagine because it's kind of whippy now, instead of it being like a stabbing weapon, it just like my rapier like wraps itself around the tree and just kind of has like has tied the beastie up that way.
2: So it is tied up and it is struggling. Are you trying anything else with it or are you just trying to subdue it?
5: Oh, no, I need that I need that sword back. Uh, I want to pull out the dagger from my boot and try to stab it.
2: No problem. You are able to do so. It is pinned up. And honestly, I think it does a lot of damage to itself trying to just rip its way through the rapier. And, you know, there's all the kind of armor defeating suckers on it that are just ripping and shredding this thing. (laughs) And between you stabbing it and it panicking, it falls apart into goo that starts to evaporate.
5: I will retrieve my weapon.
2: Outstanding. And you see the seaborne looking up the beach in utter confusion. A couple of them stand. They're like trying to pull themselves out of the shifting sand and move towards you. Uh, a couple of them look horrified. They're still staying low, keeping their heads covered. But a few of them look a little, little rejuvenated, a little inspired here. Uh, as they move towards you with that uh, older woman in the lead. That was amazing. You really are here to help us. Yeah, we are. We have n- no weapons. We have tried to fight these beasts before, and they just kill us. But if we can help you in any way, there are several more inside the barracks.
5: Oh, several more of those monsters.
2: Yes, they are the ones that man the cannons when Garoga swims past. Oh uh, Well, uh, how many would you say there are? They shift. I think today there might be four more.
5: Yeah, let's gather up anyone who is willing to help. I will try not to put you actively in danger, but you know, there's risk.
2: About a half a dozen of them start following you up the hill. Megan, it is clear, at least inside this main area though, you can certainly still hear them walking around above you.
0: So you said there's really nothing in this room other than like the staircases?
2: Yeah, like some what could be considered sleeping areas for beasts, like it seems like just piles of hay and stuff. Dog beds. Yeah, kind
0: of. Then I will make my way down.
2: All right. You make your way down about halfway down. It shifts from seeming like built stairs to it being stone that was cut out of the earth. And there are still sconces on the wall as you make your way down a little spiral. And it opens up into... A beautiful cave. There's a lot of this bioluminescent algae covering the ceiling. It's a pretty low cave, but it goes into what is certainly like a a little lake in the center of this island underneath it. And also, you see right at the center of the top of this cave is a glowing red rune.
0: Would have been real nice to have a crossbow right about now.
2: Maybe, possibly.
0: (laughs) Whoops. How high is the ceiling?
2: Uh, it's not super high for a cavern, but you certainly couldn't just reach up and touch it. Um, I'd say it's probably like 20 feet from the water.
0: All right, uh, I'm going to dig in my bag. Thank you, Tass. And I'm going to pull out uh, one of the pineapple grenades that we took that he left us. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I guess pull the stem. <laughs> 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 Whatever the equivalent to the pin is on a... Pineapple?
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they look like just smaller pineapples, the little grenade sized ones. So uh, I think for these, uh, you figure if you just pull out the stem, that's the equivalent.
0: Yep, I'm going to do that and throw it right to the rune.
2: I think there's not exactly a move for this. So I just want you to roll plus vinegar to time this.
0: Okay, you got this. Eight.
2: I think you time it just a little bit early, like it blows up before it's hit the zenith of the throw, like where it would be directly under the rune, but it is enough. But since it was a little closer to you when it went off, you're gonna take a harm from the force of this explosion knocking you back. But you watch the roof of this cavern crack and the rune cracks as well. The red glow dies down. And even from this deep, the sound that was just in the background constantly, that roaring of wind and movement of the vortex of the water, suddenly lessens and lessens. It's quieter and quieter, and it's gone. Kim, as you're moving up the beach, you feel the ground shake, and you watch as the skies begin to clear, the winds die down, and the water stops moving. Yeah, Megan. Also, distantly, you hear a very loud, excited roar from a massive beast.
0: Thanks for supporting the Fable and Folly Network. Here's another show we know you'll love.
2: In a world
1: of covert culinary criminal coalitions, Jean Carlo, we oui, chef, reformed criminal and celebrity chef Butch Orson, prepare the brigade. We oui, chef is dragged back into the dark realm of criminal kitchens behind when old rivals threaten his life's work corner butch is brought back
6: <sighs> hot no, no 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 no
1: for one
6: <laughs>
1: last yeah. cook open pandora's oven yes sir yes, John Wick Meets Hell's Kitchen in Yes Chef, a comedic actual play adventure of kooky culinary combat, refried revenge, and untold gastronomic horrors. Yes Chef is out now on the Dungeons and Drimbus podcast feed. Butchie, A genuine pleasure to see ya! <laughs>
3: Strange happenings are occurring in the world of Exandria. Slayed creatures and beasts from days of yore are returning to the land of the living, and it's up to a band of unlikely heroes to re-slay them. Welcome to the Reslayer's Take. Join Jasmine Bular,
4: Jasmine Chung, Jasper Cartwright, and Caroline Lux, alongside Game Masters, Nick Williams, and me, George Primavera, in this Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition role-playing adventure through Critical Role's fantasy world of Exandria. But don't worry, you won't need to know the rules to follow this story. All you need to know is that nothing the players do is scripted or planned, and their fates are determined by their own cleverness and the role of a 20-sided die. So
3: what the heck are you waiting for? Adventure awaits in the Three Slayer's Take.
4: New episodes drop weekly on Mondays, wherever you stream your podcasts.
2: Jake and Landara, you watch the winds die down and you can clearly see the islands ahead. And a moment after that, a very loud, excited roar.
4: Where compared to us is that roar coming from?
2: The furthest side of the island, the one that the girls were aiming for is closest to you. Um, and that roar was from, yeah, opposite. I think
3: that's our cue. Uh, How long has this been? Have we had time to craft any of our anti-Caroga measures that we were talking about working on?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, from the point that they left, it's probably been like an hour. Just, you know, the swim out there took most of it, and then once they got inside, that's only been like the last 10 minutes or so. Um, So, yeah, I'd say you've been able to do some stuff. What exactly have you been putting together?
3: I believe we were turning those Kraken barbs into like like a rope weapon behind the ship, right? Or under the ship? Yeah, like tying half
4: of them to ropes that we could drag behind us and the other half to chains that we could like hang below us. We're trying to do a galaxy quest here.
2: You're dragging mines. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, you've had time to get a little bit of both uh, ready to go here. So what's the plan?
4: I think first to start steering the ship over in the direction that Garoga's roar came from uh, i think specifically going against what the vortex used to be because i'm kind of assuming that he was probably going in the direction of the vortex
2: yeah absolutely so you make your way sort of well now probably clockwise i guess would be the opposite of what the vortex was moving and as you're making your way around you see these small islands uh they they all seem fairly similar as you get closer that they're about the same size and that they have some sort of bunkers at the top middle of these islands. And between the far two islands, you see the large, spiky, barbed fin of Garoga moving low in the water. Are we just trying to get its attention and
3: keep it away? Or should we try a risky maneuver and see if we can scare it off once and for all? Yeah, if we're going
4: to have any chance of parking this thing and getting the people on, we're going to have to make sure it goes away. One way or another.
3: All right. I've got an idea. Get us on course. Let's bull rush
4: this thing. All right. Uh, And I'm going to take a black mark to invoke Don't Fear the Reaper. And this will give me 1D to violence against Garoga. But minus one to anything that doesn't involve tracking them down or hurting them.
2: All right. Who's uh, steering this thing? I think it was me. All right. And as you're making your way around, Atina has been following your lead with his ship. Are you having them just follow along with you? Or are you directing them to do something else? I think waving them off to come around the other direction. All right. He maneuvers to do so. Roll for me and outmaneuver. Ten. All right. You've got them exactly where you want them to be. Describe the opportunity you've opened up. Uh, one thing I'll give you on this roll, too, as far as having them where you want them, you know, having free reign to kind of prepare an act here, that as you're taking this path, you notice something that you couldn't have seen from the other side of the island, is that between two of the islands, like on this course, there is a portion that's very shallow, not shallow enough to stop a ship, certainly. But it is shallow enough that when Garoga gets up to it, it seems like he has to lumber up out of the water a good portion to like crawl over that sandbar to get back into deeper waters. And now that you think about it, when you all had been looking at this area weeks ago when you came upon it the first time, you realize that's probably why you got such a good idea of his size and silhouette Mm. because he was up out of the water in that point of the rotation. Um, So that you got a good, good view of him.
4: Gotcha. Well, you know, I'm steering the ship, but Jake has the idea. So I imagine him standing next to me as I am steering. So I think I'm going to let him describe the opportunity that
3: opens
2: up. Absolutely.
3: Uh, I wanted us to barrel Garoga and then at the last minute, pull an anchor drop on one side of the ship so that we whip the tail of the ship around and all of those barbs we have on ropes and chains like swing around and catch Garoga.
2: Let's see a dirty trick here. Okay, seven. Still awesome. As you get close, you drop anchor and spin, and the crew is working on getting the anchor back up to be able to get you moving. In the middle of this spin, all of these weapons lash against his face as this beast comes up out of the water to snap at the ship. You get the idea of its sheer size, its ferocity, this twisted version of a leviathan. Scales so black they have a purple shimmer. Teeth almost the size of the ship. This frill along its head, its own weapon. It clips the ship as well. It takes one wreck. But all of these barbed tentacles and chains flay the side of his face. You see them rip through his scales all the way to the bone and he shrieks, recoiling, clawing at his own face. Back on the island, Kim, you can certainly see from your vantage that the ships are coming in at this point and you watch as they round the islands to the far side where Garoga had roared. You've still got some beasts up on the top of the barracks and everything else is quiet for the moment. What do you want to do?
5: As we were heading up the beach... Could I have stabbed the beastie that was underneath my net and retrieved my net? Oh, sure, yeah. Dope, I like it. Um, <laughs> speaking of nets, I have an idea. Now, the Seaborn said they don't have weapons, but I assume they must eat. So can I gather up all of the fishing nets that are here and try to like combine them together into a big net?
2: Yeah, like I think if you want to do this fast. They're not necessarily going to be that strong. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. I think you're able to just grab a bunch of these nets and, and just start kind of weaving them together and, and, you know, tying off loose knots to at least make them one unit. What are you thinking?
5: <sighs> okay. um, My thought is to try to lure those four beasties out of the barracks in the hopes that, You know, they might see me as a threat because I just killed three of them. And my seaborne friends can drop a net and then maybe I can find out a way to deal with them now that I don't have four of them running around.
2: Oh boy. Yeah, what are you wanting to do to draw them out?
5: May I roll theatrics again? Because I am trying to get into another fight. Well, yeah. That's a nine. That's good enough. That's a hold one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to uh, stand outside of the barracks and start shouting, you know, this moment would be a lot more impactful if your bodies didn't instantly evaporate upon me killing them, because then I could have presented something, but I've killed three of you, so come the fuck
2: out. Okay, you certainly have their attention.
5: Good, yes, Uh, and I would like to guarantee it, because I would like to spend a hold for my theatrics to compel everyone to pay attention to me.
3: Yes, they don't speak English. They just hear the screams and they're like, what? Is that? <laughs> there's a there's a lot in the tone of voice. Yeah.
2: What is that? I don't know, but it sounds <laughs> insulting.
0: Sounds like it wants to go.
2: Let's go kick uh-huh. its ass. <laughs> so here's what I think this gets you is you know that they're walking these patrols. It's very easy to see from up top. Like they're almost more like scanning for Garoga, but obviously. Their attention was already a little bit on the beach, so a couple of them were staying on that side near the cannons. Obviously, if you're getting this close to shout at them, those cannons are meant to shoot out over the bay and into the ocean. They can't really tilt them down at you, thankfully. But they can just hop down if they want, right? Uh, So here's what I think that hold gets you is you hear more footsteps from above and The others had broken their patrol and they've all four gathered to stare down at you angrily. They are, again, these bizarre twisted forms, all with mottled gray skin, too many limbs. One of them doesn't even have a head, but seems to be listening anyway. Uh, Just bizarre humanoid forms that seem to be ready to pounce. If you want them to all come down together, I think we could roll a hoodwink. Eleven. They roar in defiance and you see them disappear from the edge. It seems like they're going down through the barracks and sprint out through the doors where the Seaborn are waiting with their nets. Go! Throw now! And these beasts get caught up in this large net flailing over each other, getting twisted and caught up in each other in the nets. And after a few moments, they are... Roaring angrily, trying to rip their way out.
5: Uh, speaking of twist, I'd like to twist fate.
2: Okay, what a segue.
5: <laughs> um, that is
2: <laughs> luckily a seven. What are you looking for? What What are you trying to do here?
5: I would like to remember something useful in my pockets.
2: Okay, and I have to answer that. You do. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, Megan took the grenades in her pack but it seems to me like you snuck one into one of your pockets as well. That
5: does sound like me, yes. I have had a habit of collecting weapons over the course of this pirate adventure.
0: We'll have to have a talk with him. You don't have to sneak things that we share. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Ha- There's a crate. He gave us a crate of them. You can have one.
2: All right. These nets are still pretty loose. Like You've got them caught up for the moment, but uh, I will call this a get into a scrap that is versus all four of them. Perfect. That is a nine. All right. I think this is similar to what happened with your soulmate that you're not quite panicked, but you need to get this done, right? So you... Pull the the leafy stem from the top and throw this before you've given yourself enough room and it explodes. There is this viscous monster goo everywhere and you are knocked back, taking one point of harm. Megan, you hear an explosion from above as well. The cavern shakes again, cracks a little more and some dust and rocks uh, sprinkle around you, but then it seems pretty quiet. What do you want to do?
0: Oh, can I scramble my way back up out of there?
2: Absolutely. You come up to Carnage, uh, but the Carnage seems to be slowly evaporating from these beasts right outside the door of the barracks, and uh, Kim is coughing on her back.
0: Uh, I run over to Kim and uh, take out my What I Like About You book and (gasps) hold it in one hand, and I help set her up a little bit, and I'll be like, are you okay? Oh my gosh, I saw what you did with your, your net. On the, on the beach, that was so cool. I didn't know that you had a whole cape under your whole other cape. <laughs> that was incredible. You're amazing. Uh, and you. I would like to roll that to be able to heal her for two points. Please do. <laughs> Can we say that Kim has been aiding me since I was working underground and she was causing a distraction and fighting all of these other?
2: I mean, she was literally, yeah. She was doing that to give you the opening. So that's that, yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> Great. So then I'm going to use my move, uh, Zaynzukt which lets me spend a bond with a crewmate who's currently aiding me, uh, and I can use a book's powers as if I had rolled a 10+. plus. Okay. Uh, and I will choose a personal cost for the condition.
2: Okay. I think this is, like, magically exhausting, so I don't think you can use your book to heal anyone else in this scene. Okay. You stitch back up, Kim. You're incredible.
0: What was that explosion? What happened?
2: Oh, uh, I uh, I threw one of Tass's pineapple
5: bombs at a big group of monsters.
0: Oh, hey, me too. Well, not monsters, but the, the rune. I found it in a, in a cavern underneath the, this building. And so it's, it's good. And yeah, I think I look around and see that the vortex is gone. And it worked.
2: Back out on the water. You've got the ship moving again. And Garoga is flailing, clawing at his shredded face and then dives after you.
4: I'd like to fire a cannon at (laughs) Garoga. I dare you. In fact, I almost have to. (laughs) That's based off the move.
2: Yep.
4: Ridiculous that I am rolling three die and adding my blood. Still an 11.
2: Wow. That's it. Yeah. That should be, you should be up in the 20s, bro. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, that will do it. Uh, Do you want to take the ante or avoid harm? And I'll even give you the choice that if you take harm, you can choose whether you take it or the ship takes it,
4: yeah, that's kind of what I'm concerned about. <laughs> I think avoid harm for now,
2: no problem then you shoot him in the face because again, that's pretty much all that you can see from here. He's so big, he's just so big, like his whole head is the size of the ship. Mm-hmm. And he recoils again, roaring and lashes out with his claws, snaps with his now some broken teeth, um, but just can't quite see well enough, can't uh, judge the distance and misses. You also see by now that Atina is speedily coming up from behind as well. Are we in a position
3: relative to Groga and the sandbar that I could maneuver us over the sandbar and like dump a couple of the barbs so that when Garoga has to come out of the water and pass over it, he would hit the barbs again?
2: Uh, yeah, like he's coming up to it. He was already, uh, obviously he's trying to like bite you and stuff, but he's coming up out of the water in anticipation of needing to get over that sandbar in a few moments anyway. Um, So yeah, you you still have time if you want to try that.
3: Okay, yeah, I think I would want to steer us around to drop
2: a couple of caltrips. In his path. Okay, like you, you've you got his attention. He's following you, so I don't think we need an outmaneuver on this since you just want him to continue his momentum, right? Yeah. Uh, All right, then I think let's use a dirty trick here so that you do this in a way that he essentially doesn't notice this happening and will hit that mark. Okay,
3: uh, I'm going to spend a point of luck on this one. Okay. Six. Oh.
4: I will help out. Yeah? I think that I am like indicating where, like, having been driving the ship way too much. Yeah. And, like, (laughs) the thought of, like, where the water is maybe gonna push stuff and, like, the ones that are floating versus the ones that, like, sink.
2: Dope. Okay, yeah, spin that bond. That bumps you up to a seven. I think, Jake, that as you do this, you know, there's all these crates laid out at the back that Jeffrey and Edwin have helped you set up for this maneuver. And so you're, like, emptying some of these crates so that those are going to float there and and be in that prime spot. But one of the crates, you're just moving too quick. You only have these few moments because you're there. And one of them, you start to tilt and you lose about half of those pineapple cannonballs. (gasps) Like you start to dump them and realize, oh, that's not the right one. And about half of them go before you're able to like get the crate back down onto the deck. And so you only have about three of those left. Oh no. I've got a new great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Um, But you are hauling ass and you watch him shriek again as he lifts himself up over the sandbar using his uh, massive finned arms to drag his bulk along and he writhes in pain, shrieks as you see fresh blood along his belly where he has been scraped and sundered. Back on the island, you are hearing some cannon fire and some shrieks. And now you can see your ship and your friends coming around the, the side of the larger island at the center. And uh, Garoga is flailing about wildly in chase. What are you all up to?
0: How well can I see Garoga?
2: Uh, like you are just starting to like see his head come around, um, you know, from this angle.
0: Is he close enough for me to be able to use Lorekeeper?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can see him, so yeah.
0: Perfect. Since I'm encountering a new creature, uh, I'd love to roll that. Go for it. Fuck. Five.
2: Ooh, mark your experience.
0: Okay, that does level me up.
2: Okay, what are you going to take?
0: I'm going to take a plus one to Spitfire.
2: Nice, that is always handy. All right, so you still get a tail.
0: Yes, and uh, I already have Book Fever marked, so I- We'll take the grain of truth in the story.
2: Okay, so you're going to get a little something out of this anyway. Um, All right. So I think some of this filters to you, of course, a little magically from the book, a little bit from talking with the shoremen on your way here. There are these tales of these horrible things happening on the continent, all along the southern shores and so on, of these beasts, these hunting things many on land, many twisted versions of serpents and krakens uh, along the oceans to the south. And one thing that occurs to you that keeps popping up is that despite their beast-like forms, they all still have kind of an innate magic to them. That there are these stories of beasts like this mangy wolf with three heads that attacked and destroyed most of a town, but warriors came in to fight it off and injured it. And the first thing that it did when it was severely injured wasn't to keep fighting, it was to veer off from the threat and start eating.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
6: The first thing you need to know about the Vega Sci-Fi Adventure podcast is that you're not just listening to someone tell you a story. You are stepping into a world. And Vega Rex, the woman at the center of this saga, is currently sitting at the top of it. This is not by accident. For millennia, the country Vega calls home has been carefully honing the skills of its state-contracted killers, and these so-called holy warriors have gotten real good at taking down the world's worst criminals, or, as they would call it, cleansing. 400 kills into her career, Vega is the most decorated hunter there has ever been, and likely would have stayed that way if it had not been for him. An explosive encounter with a terrorist sets Vega on a path of revenge that is so thoroughly illegal that before this story is done, she will have risked it all. Life, limb, and love to satisfy her vengeance and keep her record of righteous kills perfect. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and I have so much more to tell you about this. Check out Vega, a sci fi venture podcast, anywhere you listen to them, because, baby, I'm just getting started.